you believe in God? I do. And I have an unconditional faith in Jesus as being real, alive, and my Lord and Savior. And I've always heard people talk about God, church, Jesus, all this stuff, ever since I was a boy. Well, now I'm 64 years old and I've had my own experiences and I've seen that people that told me about God when I was a child left a lot of stuff out. I don't know if it was because they didn't know or felt they had something so good they had to keep it to themselves. I don't know. But I didn't look at it like this. When I consider what we hear about Jesus and all that stuff, you know, and in the church they'll tell you be like Jesus. Okay, well that's all well and good, but do you know how Jesus really was? Or how he really is? And I look at what they tell you in church. That's in the Bible. Say the Bible say you're supposed to be holy and all that, you know. Hmm. Well, I'm human. Human first. And now that I look at the thing, since Jesus was God, he was still in the flesh, which made him human for a season. Now, when they talk about Jesus being holy, well, now get this now, 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 now ride with me now. I'm, I'm trying to understand something. I, really, maybe I'm looking for some help. Help me out here. Help me understand. They say in church that you are supposed to be holy because Jesus is holy. Okay, well, first thing pops up in my mind is that Jesus died long time ago. His human state expired a long time ago. Now, Jesus lives today because he is experiencing eternal life. We ain't got that yet. Therefore, there's a possibility that you might not be as holy as you think you are. If you think you're holy. And just to... You know, I ain't trying to throw no stones. I'm just trying to gain a little knowledge and understanding. We live in a world today that when it comes down to certain information, this, that, and the other thing that we need to understand, we don't have to guess about it. We're going to look around. And when it comes down to the Word of God, I being a man of God, I will bring you the Word of God one day. But really... I don't know when that's going to be because I don't think you're ready for the word of God as God translates it to me. Because if I tell you the things that God shows me in his word, because if you live in your whole life hearing something from somebody that you accepted as truth about the word of God be it your mother your father your preacher whoever you heard it from if you hear the word of God <clears throat> sorry about that wrong choice of words when you hear the word of God from my mouth it's going to set off some lights in your head to make you question either me you whoever you heard the word of God from first or my sanity and you know I look at how people say holy 
and they want you to apply yourself to a definition of holy. But are they holy? The ones that told you? Are they applying themselves to any any type of definition that would show holiness to your eyes? Ah, wait a minute. Do we know what holy is? Well, based on Merriam-Webster's definition of holy, Merriam-Webster says that holy is exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. Huh. Exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. Perfect in goodness and righteousness. Now, I don't know, but I remember reading in my Bible when some folk ran up to Jesus and said, hey, good teacher. Look out there now. Hey, good teacher. I need your attention. Rung the bell, okay? And Jesus, you know, he doing what he doing then. He stopped at Man, why you gonna call me good? There's none good except the Father. Now, these were Jesus' words that are written in your Bible. Now, Jesus said, there is none good except the Father. So, he realized that because of his human state, he wasn't perfect either. (laughs) No, he wasn't perfect. He was subject to sin. It's like, when I say subject, the, the, the idea of sin, the possibility of sin was standing there in front of him. He could be tempted, okay? And though he was tempted, he still did not commit sin. But the point is, he went through the temptation. Why? Because he was a man. A human, should we say. And we go through temptations, trials, because we are human. And that's another thing when I look at words. Words. What words? Man, words got meaning now. Temptation. Temptation in the ears of the church folk. The first thing they start thinking about is being tempted intimately by a woman or a man to do something improper that results in sin. That's what they see temptation as. Okay, well, yeah, that can be temptation, but there are other things that are temptations, such as jumping debt, sign your name on a note for a house or a car that you know you gonna have trouble paying for and if anything happens, that's it for you. Tempted to say something to somebody that you really, really don't mean, but I just feel like I just need to get this off my chest. You know, like, I'm okay, you know. I'm okay, you. Okay. Golly, how many times people have said that? Man, you know, it's like I said before, I'm going to bring you the word of God one day. And I already know that when I start, I will start in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. I look at that as the baby book. The reason I say that is because when I first got interested, I'll call it, in the Word of God, that's where I started. And it was like so simple to see that what's in the book of Ephesians outlines life from beginning to end in just six chapters. The book of Ephesians is six chapters long, okay? And it talks about life as a human, why you are here, what's going on in your life that you are not aware of while you are here. It talks about preachers. It talks about husbands, wives, children, employers, 
employees. It talks about all these things. And when you look at it, everything that I just named, that's your life, baby, in a nutshell. I just wrapped up everything you're going to ever do with your whole life. You're going to live in this world and you're going to go through trials and tribulations with life just because you're alive and human. Then some of you will have wives or husbands and some of you will have children and some of you will have jobs and some of you will be employers and some of you will be employees. But outside of that, you know, you're going to have to really, really look hard to find something else. I mean, you know, it ain't a whole lot left for you to be doing. You're going to be working at doing something in your life. You might be one that want to be smart and say, well, I ain't an employee. I ain't got no job. You're working at just living, man. And I want to ask you, how well is it paying off? You know, how well is life paying you for your efforts that you're applying to life? It's your job. I look at, I have gone through this Bible I have come to a place of understanding that sets me free from myself in so many ways because now I understand that humanity is transitory. Life, human life, it's just something that you're going through. You know, God going to pull your car one day. And so I look at it now since I'm 64 years old. Well, I will be 64 my birthday. I think I need to let people know that just so just because you know but March 1st is my birthday and here we are in February now and I look at I don't know how much longer I'm gonna live but I do know that I have a choice now to pursue happiness to pursue peace pursue love and I don't mean love from an individual I mean worldwide love I know what it feels like to love now And I feel like God wants us to share love because we don't see love being shared across the world. We don't see that that on the news. Oh, boy, look at it. 100,000 folks over here in church today. All of them loving. Mm, You don't see that. Oh, the police department had a love fest today. You don't see that. You know, Black Lives Matter said, let's all get together with the black folks and show some love. You don't see that. But... I'm just at the point of of wanting to see just love, man. You've shown me everything else. You've shown me your hatred. You've shown me your bigotry. You've shown me your racism. You've shown me your prejudice. You've shown me that, you know, your selfishness. You've shown me that you are so isolated within yourself. Then those who are not isolated within yourselves, you're in little groups like me. And that's even the church. That's why I have removed myself from the activity of attending church. You see, I don't know about the rest of you church folk, but I'm like this. I see, I see, you know, issues in the church. Now, people in the world got issues, problems. They run the church trying to find relief. You get to church. They embrace you. Come on in. We love you. But all they want to do is get you caught up in their little clip. I'll give you an example. And what I'm about to say, I know it's going to step on some toes for certain people. Really, I don't care, though, because, you know, you've been stepping on my toes all my life. And for you to try to come back at me now, ain't nothing new. Bring it. I listen to you people who say that you are ministers, pastors of churches, and you want people to listen to you as you convey the word of God to them. And then the Bible Every Bible that you read, I've found where Paul said that I have heard that there are cliques and divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. Because one of you say that I'm, oh, I'm, I'm with Paul. Others say, oh, I'm with Cephas or Peter. And the question was asked, 
Is Jesus divided into parts? I mean, you got your Bible, but you got all these different versions. You got the King James, the NIV, the New Living, the Amplified, and on and on and on. And I found, as I traveled around and looked around and didn't have to go too far, went to Facebook, as a matter of fact, and I found that <laughs> the church group is singling out their Bible as the only way to the truth. There are people in churches everywhere around me who have churches who use the King James Bible. That's fine. That's a good place to start. But there are other Bibles that have the Word of God and truth written in them. I'll go on and be more specific. Let's just use the Amplified Bible. There's a Bible called the Amplified Bible. And what it does is it changes some of the words in the King James Bible to a word that you in Green County can understand. You know? And <clears throat> it's a, a thing that words have meaning and if you change something that I say and you tell somebody else then did you tell them exactly what I meant? If I tell you to tell the police to stop by my house is that the same thing as telling the police to come by my house? Not stop by, come by. Or is that the same thing as saying that when you see the police, tell the police that I need for them to come to my house? All of that that I just said, come to my house, stop by the house, come by the house, stop to see me. All of it meant the same thing. And if the police get that message, guess what? They're going to come to my house. So if you are one who has received your knowledge, should we, should we say, your understanding from the King James Bible, I applaud you. You've done a great thing. But if you are one of those who are so dogmatic about the King James Bible being the only truth, then look at the division that you are sowing yourself. And you're sowing it not only in your congregation, but everywhere your congregation goes. Because now what you're actually saying to the man who has received just as much, or in some cases more knowledge than you, or more feeding than you, from the Amplified Bible, that what he got ain't nothing. And you telling him that his learning is nothing. You telling him that his faith it's nothing if he went to the New International Version and read the same thing that you did in the King James and understood it. You're telling him that your King James Bible, you know, is is, is the shiznick, man. That's it. I mean, if you ain't reading this, you ain't, we don't want nothing to do with you. Openly say it, pastors those of you who are those type of pastors who use the King James in such a way, in such a capacity, are you looking at what your congregation doing? Your congregation going out there and downright getting ugly with folks about the Bible. You're sitting there looking at the comments that your members are writing and putting on social media in regards to other people who love God, who are seeking, growing in the knowledge and the wisdom of God, and you belittling them, yet not chastising your congregation. 
what type of overseer are you? And I mean, that in itself is kind of like part of the reason too that I don't I, I don't really see a drive in me to be part of the church congregations that I see. That's just one thing. But then there are so many other things, the little cliques in church, man. That hurts me so bad because you got great people who are attending church. There are great people who are seeking God. But then there's denomination. We Baptist. We Jehovah Witness. We Methodist. Oh, here you go with some more mess. You gonna tell me that because you Baptist, your God better than mine. You gonna tell me because you a Jehovah Witness, your God is so much smarter and powerful than mine. You gonna tell me because you are Pentecostal, Methodist, or whatever, your rituals and everything that you perform make you so much greater than me in the eyes of God. You gonna tell me because you are Catholic, then God loves you better than anybody. You know what I want to say to that? Lie, lie, your pants on fire. <laughs> you lie to yourself and the world, man. That's what One Church United is all about. You know, I want to see people who truly have a sincere love for God and the creation that God created and put us as part of the creation in to interact together. Let us get unified in love. I mean, I sit and I talk to you, and as I said before, I'm going to start talking to you about the Word of God, directly out of the Bible, starting with the book of Ephesians, first chapter. But really, like I said before, it's not time, because there's too much other stuff that you need to work out within your own personal little issues, such as you need to ask yourself do I really believe in God I mean you know I now now a lot of folk might take that as a how you gonna say something like that yeah I believe in God but uh, do you really believe in God I mean look at the fact that you have been chosen set apart which brings me to another thing too another thing in your Bible mentions consecration. Consecrated. Now, what does consecrated mean? And just because we fooling with Merriam-Webster, I'll just tell you what she said about it again. According to Merriam-Webster, consecrated means to devote irrevocably to the worship of God by a solemn ceremony. Devote irrevocably to the worship of God. Now that Jesus was, he was consecrated and in your Bible it is written that Jesus said that he wanted all those that would come to believe in him through the message that was left to be consecrated as well. He knew he was at the end of his human rope. He knew he was about to be crucified. He also knew that his work here on earth as an individual human was about to be done. But he looked at too what he had done and the men that he encountered while in his human body. And you think about it, back then, Jesus didn't have no car, no airplane, no internet, nothing. But his teachings spread all over the world. The life of godliness and consecration is spread all over the world. I am consecrated. You are consecrated. You're set apart. And you can be made holy. Just like, you know, I expect. Now, I know it's going to be some preachers that could possibly hear this and, and debate with it. But okay, if you do, 
fine. That just showed me that you're paying attention to what I said. And for you to want to argue and debate with me, ask yourself, where is your victory in the end? Because first of all, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to debate with you. So for you to contradict what I say, ask yourself, what good is it really doing you? I'm talking about unity, man. I'm talking about truth. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about serving God, the real God that created earth and then created you and put you on the earth to meet me. Okay? This is what Green County got raised up with. Everybody around Green County, just know, yep, this is what you grew up with. What you hear right now is a product of your childhood. You helped establish me. You helped make me what I am today as a person, as a man, as a man of God. Green County, Georgia, you helped me be who I am today, and I thank you. And I got something to give you back. Much love, baby. Much love. Much love in the form of the way that God said it's supposed to be. Unconditional. Meaning, I don't want your money. I don't want your body. I don't want your material things at all. You know? I just want your time. I just want your heart. I want your heart to understand what real love is. And the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing for you right now, think about it. I've been sitting here talking right about 30 minutes. And why would I do that for you? Why would I sit here and just talk to you about what I'm talking about if I wasn't for real? And that's the thing, too. You know, I want to see people that are real. And sometimes it's hard to accept real. I have to say that, you know, because I've been around some real cats that, that that made me question, well, you know, I need to be food that joke or not, you know. He real now, but women, you know, she's she real. You know, I know that Jesus wants you to get in touch with him the real him. So I tell you what I think I'm going to do. Now that I think about it, <clears throat> I'm going to just sit here and kind of go through what I think it might have been like when Jesus was walking the face of the earth. Wake up in the morning, look around, knowing he's God, but he's in this human body and he's got a job to do today. got to get up Go to work spreading the good news, spreading love. That's his job. Now, I mean, you know, a lot of time when you got a job, you wake up in the morning and you be like, boy, I sure do hate to go into the plant today. Man, I sure do hate to get in this truck today. Boy, I sure do hate to, hate to, hate to, hate to go over here fool these folk today, you know. But do you ever have a day that you wake up and say, boy, I sure don't feel like loving nobody today. Man. I don't. I don't. I go to sleep on love. I go to sleep trying to feel love. Even if I'm at home by myself, I still try to feel love before I go to sleep. Need to, man. Otherwise, you don't sleep too good. Damn, you fool around and get that other stuff on you, trying to go to sleep, laying all night. End up so irritated. You like, I might well just get up. I ain't sleep, you know. But Jesus... He didn't have that. He woke up, got up, anointed his head, washed his face. That thing would anoint your head too. That don't mean put olive oil between your eyes until it running down your face, you know. Gloom your hair, man. That anoint your head, you know, that you can't put a little olive oil drop it between your eyes, you want. That's all right, but you know. When I look at the depictions of anointing people's head with oil from the Bible days. It was nothing like you see in church now. I mean, think about it. You go to church and they say they're going to anoint your head. They tell you get you some olive oil, put it in the house and just anoint your house, anoint your head. Okay. All right. That's what they told you. 
But when you look at in the Bible, they will have like a, a pitcher, quart, two quart pitcher of oil. And this man bows his head and somebody starts to pour oil on the back of his head. Not between his eyes, but on the back of his head. So much oil until it starts to stream from the man's chin. You know, they start running off. If you got a beard, man, think about if you're one of those guys that's got a beard, think about leaning your head forward and somebody that pour oil on the back of your head until they start running out your beard down on the floor. <clears throat> Big difference. Okay. Well, Jesus got up in the morning, groomed his hair, washed his face, went out. It's hot. Got to go over here to Capernaum. Ephesus, Derby, somewhere. <sighs> and then the people he hung out with. Think about it. How many people do you run into on a daily basis that fit the description of what they tell you in church that Jesus' disciples were like? See, they want to make you think, too, that the disciple was so holy and so right and so straight and sin free all them cats out boy out there in the bushes you know praying all day all night you know but in your bible it talks about where Jesus went to a party one time sitting down drinking that's right I said drinking cause you know in your own bible it tells you that John's disciples went looking for Jesus and when they found him at the club, we'll say, Jesus hanging up in there, eating bread and drinking. And they said, man, this cat a drunk, man. Man. Christ. Man, shoot, this cat a drunk, man. He drank more than I do. I don't even drink. We don't drink. See, that's what they tell you in church, too. We don't drink. We, we don't smoke weed we don't hey let me tell you this too since that came up smoking weed you know your bible already told you for certain that Jesus drank wine okay his first miracle that he performed was when he was at a party they had run out of wine and what did Jesus do change water to wine okay and the pot was like 30 gallon pot you know Boom, go on, get the party started, man. Shoot, you out of nothing up in here. And then when the man took some of the water, water, what, the water out the pot, the 30 gallons of water that was changed to wine, when he took some of that water, wine, and tasted it, he said, boy, good God. Usually, usually, man, cats, they say the good stuff, but you, ooh, Hit me again. I feel that thing back up. Feel that thing. Okay. This is what the wine thing went on. Okay. This is in your Bible. Bread. Jesus was eating bread. And the one place in the Bible that the word flax is used. Flax was used by some people to extend that into the idea that Jesus himself smoked weed. Now, you can say that that's me talking if you want to, but that they go to show you. You ain't talked to enough folk yet. Keep talking. And ask them about flats. Ask them if you think, man, Jesus smoked weed. I mean, it says something about flats in the Bible. What is flats? You know? And see, you got to understand, too, there's another place in the Bible that it talks about flax. And this is in the Old Testament. You know, old school talk. Whereas this woman run the whole house, okay? God's folks needed somewhere to hide out. That they always did. That's one thing about the Bible, too. You think about it. God's folks were always hiding back in the day. Because the world didn't play that talking about God. You know, you, you didn't just tell nobody you were no Christian. That, that's way on beyond the, 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 the prostitute. God's people went to the prostitute house to hide, and in your Bible it tells you that she hid them upstairs. 
up in the top of the house where her flax was dry. Her flax was dry. Hmm. What is it that a person would go through the trouble of putting up in the attic of their house to let it dry? That does them no good. Now, I'm not supporting marijuana use or nothing like that because I know how you are. You'll quickly say, oh, now you want to talk about smoking weed. It's all right, smoke weed. I didn't say that. Smoke whatever you want to. I mean, ain't nothing to me. It's just like being homosexual. You be homosexual if you want to. Ain't nothing to me. I don't care. I ain't got no problem with you because you're homosexual. I got love for you, baby. Like I said, I'm not trying to love the things you do. I'm trying to love the you. And all I'm asking you in return... Show me some love. Show me some love. Where that? Where you love at? You know, it's going to be interesting to me since I've started this podcast thing. It's new to me. It's new to you. And it's something that old black country nigga decided to do this time. Now, I find in the world that we live in, Things have really gone in a different direction. In business, it used to be. It used to be then, which I'm still sure it probably has a lot of weight. Word of mouth could either make you or break you. I don't care what kind of business you in. If people said that they like your product, you know, you, you they like you, your service, or whatever it is. You can be washing cars, paying cars, working on cars, selling dopes, uh, cooking food, cleaning houses, whatever you're doing, preaching the word of God. I don't care what it is. If people like it, they tell other people about it. But on the flip side, if they didn't like it, they told people that too. And what happened as a result of the talk about your business, well, you either made it or you went out of business. But now we live in a social time of e-commerce and social media whereas people rely on likes thumbs up reviews from other people five stars four stars one star and what determines the stars the likes the thumbs up well what happens on the inside of that person during their interaction with you You can go to a place that sells tires for cars and you go in and you speak with the salesperson and even though you may not buy tires from that place for whatever reason, if it came a time for you to give that company a review based on the interaction that you had with that person you may give them four stars, three at least. Why? Just because you had a nice experience with the person that you encountered. Whereas now you go to that same place, you meet somebody that really had a nonchalant attitude about you. He didn't care about you. Don't let it be one of them that like, like he got a problem with you just because you, you, you know. Then you buy the tires and then they leave lugs off your car or don't tighten them or scratch your car anything they do oh you gonna tell that too yep went down there bought them tires six months ago got to buy some more don't know what happened to them they sure did melt gone slick already well yep I'm gonna be going back over there though I'm going somewhere else I don't care if I have to pay more for them I'm going somewhere else well I can't wait to see if anybody responds to me and what I say. If anybody, I don't know, give me any likes. <laughs> give me any thumbs up. Do I get any stars? Just know in advance, you know, that's not, that's what I'm here for. I'm, like I told you before, I'm here for you. I'm just spending my time, sharing my time with you. Because what I'm talking about, think about it. It's already in me. All I'm doing is telling you what I live by. And to be honest with you, I'm inviting you to experience life as I do and better than I do through 
an understanding, at least a little bit, that I have of the Word of God. I don't claim to know everything. All I know is that what I do know, I live by, and it's working for me. I don't have the complaints that most people have that I run into. You know, I mean, really. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of hate, the, well, not really. I'd have to take that back. I repent for what I, I said. I talk to people all the time about life and simplicity. I talk about the fact of life and simplicity. I talk about my life to people and simplicity. And one simple thing that I tell people is I'm debt free. I don't work, don't want to work. I'm 64 years old. What am I work for? I had plenty of years of working. I, you know, I I don't have to go out and struggle with all these issues that I have struggled through. And the whole thing is getting through. To be honest with you, unless something significant happens from this point forward, I am actually through with humanity. I got no more use for humanity. I know what this like. Man, I've been here 64 years. And I see what 70 and 80-year-old folk look like, what they got going for them. <laughs> I mean, you know, really. And the, the problem that I see with humanity is, well, it's, it's a problem you got with yourself that you can relieve yourself from. But the world keep pumping it in you, and it's sounding good. You know, I tell you anything that sounds good to you, you want to cater to that. The world has told 60, 65-year-old people that you're not old. It's lying to you. You are old. I don't care how you look at it. Look back. Okay, 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 okay. When you were 12 years old and you saw your relatives, aunts, uncles, maybe your mom and dad, that's your age now. Did you see somebody young? No. If you saw an old dude you call him an old dude. Even if you didn't know his name, you call him that old dude. He can be an old man, dressed nice, driving a nice car. You don't know his name, but if somebody asks you, you seen that old dude, man, that got that car, that, oh yeah, tell me that, dude, I don't, yeah, yeah. They don't care what your name is, but they say old dude, had they said that young dude, and talking about you, wouldn't nobody know who they talking about. You ride right by, they would pay you no attention because they're looking for something that they see as young. I, well, you need to get a good, clear picture of yourself. You know, the Word of God tells you that right now you're just seeing a blurred reflection. You know, you don't really see what you really look like to God. You only see a blurred reflection as an enigma looking through a glass at yourself. And you want to see what that like, you know, it's a distorted view. You look through a glass at somebody else and look how they look to you. Well, look at it. That's the way you look to the world. That's the way you look to you. If you fooling yourself, telling yourself that you're 63, 4, 5, 6 years old and you're not old, you are missing the opportunity to enjoy growing old gracefully. You still fighting reality. I don't know why. I don't know what you're getting out of it. I mean, God, leave that dog. I mean, I remember back in the day, cats used to get curls and everything, trying to, you know, look young. And see, the thing with the curls back then, you got gray hair. That chemical would turn the gray hair brown. So, brother, have be black and brown streaked there instead of black and gray. Or gray. But he's still old. He's still old. And then one, one, one cat, you know, I know him. He did that so many years. And then one day got sick, just like old folk do. Got sick, went to the hospital. Come out of the hospital. Hair was all brittle and everything. So he had to cut it off. Boy, you saw that old show number on me, boy. Come out of the hospital, still looking sick. Cut all the hair off. Never did get no more curls. <laughs> Never did get no more curls. Died. I don't know how much longer it was. It wasn't no five years. It wasn't no three, probably. I'm just saying, 
just like you tell a lot of people, act your age. Act your age, man. You women that's out here, old women, that want to feel like you are young, that you are cute. Well, you may be cute. You can be old and cute. Don't get me wrong. I ain't said that just because you're old, you're ugly. I'm just saying you old. I mean, your body done fell all apart and everything else. You wearing clothes three sizes too small to put on a show in public. You get home talking about how your back hurt because of the clothes you wore. <laughs> Man, I don't know. Man, y'all got all these issues. Men have always said, ever since I was a young man, that if you get old and then you get without a wife or a woman, gonna get you a young woman. Well, okay, if that's what you want to do, fine. I mean, do you. But I'm just saying, man, at your age, okay, don't put all that excess pressure on yourself and your finances. Because, see, most of the time, when an older man decides that he wants to be entertained by a younger woman, a young thing, a young cutie, he wants something nice. Well, like Bobby Womack told you a long time ago, hey, baby, everything nice comes with a price. So you can have it if you're willing to pay for it. Me, I have paid my life, my time, the hardships, frustration, work, irritation, trying to do this, trying to do this, trying to get that, trying to get that. Man, being a husband, father, businessman, preacher, human, fan. Now here I am today, I'm looking at, well, feel pretty good about it too. Because in all the things that I named, regardless of how hard they were at any given time, today I see each and every one of them worthwhile. I'm glad I went through everything I went through, good, bad, or indifferent, because these are the things, like I said before, where you people of Greene County, you know, you are what made me what I am today in part. And, you know, when I look at life, People have all these little things that they say, you know, they get caught up, caught up. I like remind me of what I just said, you people here in Greene County. And I got a question. The black people still get offended when they hear somebody say, you people. I don't know. I don't get out much, you know. But there was a time, a season, that if you said, you people, black folk go to rolling their eyes at you and everything like they crazy. I was delivering a message at church one day, and I said, you people need to understand something, something reference, you know. But I got to looking at the people in the church rolling their eyes at me, you know. I mean, we talking about, you know what I'm talking about. You know that they, they, got, they got wind in their jaw when they cross their arms. Okay. Women, I saw three, I can remember sitting in church, arms crossed, just staring at me because I said you people. So I decided to ask questions. You got a problem with me saying you people? Black people? What else I supposed to call? I don't know your name. I don't know you. What am I supposed to call y'all, nigga? Then you gonna get mad because I said that? What? I'm just trying to talk to you, man. Chill out. Everybody either got their backs up or their guards up. I want people to chill out. I want people to relax. I want people to unite. I want people to love. I hear black people talk about white people. I hear white people talk about white people. I hear people all over got this thing of division. They can show you anytime that you ask. You know, everything that they volunteer to show you is usually something of division or negativity. Show me your love. Show me your love. I need love. You know, all these other things that make up my life I need love more than any it because, you know, love covers a multitude of sins. As long as I'm loving you, I'm not doing anything wrong. In fact, I'm doing exactly what God told me to do. He didn't say how I had to love you. He didn't say I had to come to your house and mow your grass. 
He didn't say I had to come give you my money. He didn't say I had to do nothing for you but love you for real, out of a sincere heart with no strings attached. And, you know, I can love you knowing that you don't love me back. Boy, that's real love, man. (laughs) If you're in a relationship and you got a husband or a wife or a mate, we'll say, and you all in love with a man, you're doing everything for them, and they don't love you, other folk look at you as the biggest fool. They said, look at him running up behind that man, he don't care nothing about her. She that's in love with him, he don't care nothing about her. Or vice versa, man running up behind that woman, spending all his money, getting her this, getting her that, and she don't care nothing about him. They, you know, they, they call you a fool. Okay, well, if I am a fool, which I guess I must be, because I do love you. That's real. I, I, see, I can say that, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not saying it from a homosexual perspective either. I have a genuine love, and a God-made love, an unconditional love. I can say that and know that it made me feel good, and I hope that because I said it makes you feel good too. And if it does, then let's get together and hang out sometime on the podcast. Nobody's talking. And let's just see how we can share our love, spread our love, grow our love, and stimulate others to the same emotion. Love. I mean, after all, look at it this way. If you're living your life today, and you're going through the negatives, okay? I don't care what they are. What have you got to lose by flipping the script? Nothing. Nothing. What have you got to lose by trying love if you never have? Nothing. So what I'm saying is, I'm here, and I'm going to love until I leave. In Jesus' name, as present all that the great I am in human form. Amen. So be it.